0: Hello, people. Welcome to TechnoSocial. If you like what we're doing, then please consider liking us on YouTube and on your podcast provider, sharing our content around and generally telling people about it. And maybe even consider giving us a donation on Patreon.com forward slash TechnoSocial. <laughs> yeah so Daniel good to have you here let's talk about ontological design what the fuck is it uh,
1: so ontological design the, the key beginning definition might be that it is the procurement and transformation of attention for a purpose so the word ontology it is the study of existence uh, in philosophy so the study of these existential matters and ontological design means that we are being creative about our very existence it means that we have the ability to go into our causes and produce ourselves. Now, Marshall McLuhan has an interesting idea in which he, I think it's him, I think, but some people say this quote is misattributed and it's when he talks about the feedback loops between our tools and ourselves, he says that as we create our tools, they create us in return. So there's a relationship between who we are and what has been the context that has possibilitated this potential that we are to emerge and become actual in other words um, we're a product of the objects that we use of the words that we use of language of grammar but also of the computer and of google Uh, for example google is clearly rewiring our brains it's Mm -hmm. changing the way that we relate to knowledge you don't know something you don't have to wait three days you don't have to consult a book you don't have to know how to consult a book you can Google it. Um, and, and this really changes who we are and, and what we are. And I think this becomes super evident in the era of digital. So that's why ontological design more and more is going to gain more prominence. Because as a concept, it really solves the prominent need of the digital age, which is, you know, surrounding attentionalism. How are we going to create ourselves in this era of, of of digital technology of being flooded by these digital technologies. Um, So yeah, it's curating an informational diet, if you want. Mm.
0: Why is now the time that ontological design as a discipline and a theory is, is on the cards?
1: Mm. Because it has become sort of available to our sensory apparatuses. In other words, so one of the things I used to say is that virtual reality <clears throat> tells us that all reality is virtual because if you're going to be a VR creator, for example, then you're really understanding that you're playing with the very fabric of reality, which is very perceptional. Today, we have tools to curate perception more than ever. You have VR, you have the internet with uh, an infinite potentially amount of means that could come in and become building blocks of our perception. Right? Because our perception is through memes. It's not something that you throw at memes. It's composed of these bits and bobs of information that aggregate themselves and compose a fabric of ourselves, right? As such, our age is exceptional because within this flood of information, of technology to understand and to interact with that information from you know ai to vr to you know 5g connection that's coming up uh the internet of things but even if we don't, don't want to go so much to the future things that we see right here right now alexandria's library in our pockets um if you want to be like that a bicycle for the mind just in front of me a hyperlink to london through a sort of a a bodily extension for my uh, visual cortex. My eyes are extended to London at this moment um, and to the internet vicariously. So all of these things really do change who we are and the changes have been so fast that it's really hard to navigate them. And as such, it's really um, almost a matter of survival of, of being able to retain some sovereignty and to be able to navigate such a chaotic landscape, because we know that the institutions of before are sort of, they don't apply so much computer says no in Mm our day and age. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's something we've talked
0: about quite a lot between us, this sense that what I sometimes call the, the ideological grammar of monotheism, which is really just a fucking wordy way of saying the idea of there being a law and an unchanging law and an, an established way of doing things is gone, or rather has been exposed by the flood of digital as as only ever being a temporary fix in a flux
1: mm. the you're way you know interest- go go ahead. Yeah. So, I think the uh, way uh, the,
0: the media landscape works now, it's like something emerges and becomes salient, important in the collective consciousness for a day or a week, and then it's gone. Now, we may be living in an interesting time in the coronavirus is actually a slight exception to that because of the real tangibility of it. But in general, the kind of hysteric media climate, things come and things go so quickly, it's very difficult to establish a solid grounding around particular things that are happening again and that leave a, a mark in time
1: yeah um i thought about that also based on the question and um, the discussion that we had yesterday because mm. it's 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 very much related to this so the concept of political angelology or angeliology the study of angels if you will but politically applied is a concept that um Infamous philosopher um, Alexander Dugin talks about uh, at some point in his books, and what it means is um, political ideology is the political struggle and competition that's happening in the new sphere, in the fields of ideas between their constituent memeplexes. So you've just mentioned this universalist monotheistic god. We could also speak of uh, Raisinagra stunning the, the black corpse of the sun. The other day, me and you, we were talking about the Dionysus archetype manifesting and popping its head here and there in culture. And I think that's a good lens to look at the newosphere and the corresponding war that's happening in this field of ideas, uh, which could be called newomagia, right? It's the war in heavens, it's a war of meme um, and this war, if you want to c- carry the metaphor forward, is happening on a substrate, on a landscape composed of our collective mind spaces. That's kind of a, the, the floor where this war takes place. War, because it's competitive, uh, even though it's not a war in the traditional sense. It's more like a pure information war, pure competition of um, for our attention. It's an attentionalist war, if you want. So... In this war, um, ontological design again pops its head as a way to be able to curate our attention, our perceptions. Um, other things that have sought to do the same, curating attention and perception, include um, Netflix, include prayers, include advertising, include magic, include the lords of, of shamanism all of this seems to have a similar purpose if we solve the equation for the newosphere and that similar purpose is the procurement and transformation of attention for purposes to be able to be sort of agentic or to do uh, a move purely spoken in in this landscape and so like it's like what nick land says you know every once in a while in the new in the there's, there's shakes and and sort of tectonic plate plates shaking because we need to differentiate as well the size of the angels. you could say that the, the 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 monotheistic god is like a large a large entity as compared to other smaller archetypes um and one of the things that that we can say is that at the broader scale, indeed, uh, there's probably some momentum, some transitioning happening right now. And I think that's what you were trying to allude with, with the question, right? With the question of the monotheistic God, what's happening to it? What does it, how does it, how has it formed us? How has it contributed to our formation? And what's happening to it? Um, and it's like what Nick Land says: garbage timing is running out. Can what is playing you make it to level two? It's not what you're playing, is what is playing you. It plays us, these angels.
0: I mean, it's funny. So yesterday we were talking about the postmodern condition as well. Fragmentation, multiple narratives being exposed as stacking on top of each other with a kind of relativity as opposed to there being that one pre-modern or modern story. Something that I was actually beginning to think of today is that even the narrative of postmodernity is it's peculiarly Western and modern, and it kind of it gives, I think it creates a sense that everybody is struggling through this, this meaning crisis, this identity crisis, which actually, I don't think is the case, and that is exposed when you read, again, the writings, say, of Dugin who we were looking at that Facebook post earlier Mm. and said something is fragmenting, (coughs) but it's not just the Western conception of truth, but it's like a monopoly on truth in the minds of Westerners as defined by the West, which I think is slightly different. Mm.
1: Mm. Go on. That's brilliant.
0: That influx. It's, I mean, it takes its form physically as a, it's informational warfare, as you said, but it is, it is a, a swing from foreign gods invading the new sphere. A
1: Absolutely. Sword, a and thumb. you know what? Uh, let me try to tell this as a story. Once upon a time, there was a bunch of gods fighting. And then in 2000 and in the year 2000, um, one one god had a few of its constituents um, find a way to plug him into the electrical current, and th- therefore become energized and more energized and energized like exponentially. So what I'm talking about is that the proliferation of memes and the speed with which they spread through the internet, and the increase in the number of ways that you can combine combine memes amounts to, in this metaphor, one of those gods or that god and his agglutinated buddies to increase in size, in number, in qualia, and in potential combinations and effects. Because bear in mind, potential in in this regard means uh the potential combinations the potential effects that the 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 potential energy that is latent within that spheric body the potential energy of this pen is held in it and if i drop it it falls so these bodies also uh have this reservoir of potential energy that is directly correlated to the fact that they've been plugged into electricity plugged into social media into the internet they every day the amount of content coming out new ideas connecting with new ideas the whole climate the psychological climate is increasing and, and it's changing and it's warming in a way because it's getting more friction more volatile um consequences of that phenomenological from our point of view include like you said uh fragmentation include the postmodern condition um and when dugan talks about this new magia uh, obviously he has an angle he has an angle. He's not a. He's got skin in the game, uh, but he does so, and he does so. He's a Machiavelli. He doesn't give a fuck for universalisms of the West. If you want to talk about that that angle of things, um, but indeed his analysis is correct in in that it postulates things like political angelology and tries to apply it. And one of the evidences of that is what Vladislav Sirkov did. Influenced or not by him doesn't matter, but did. And in, uh, in 2016, and and from. From then up until here, hypothetically, people say maybe they did it, did it, maybe they did it, which is to perform a gesture of technological chaos magic in the minds of the West, essentially fanning the the, the winds uh, fanning the embers of, of uh, polarization in the West and you know taking divides that are legitimate and taking grievances that are legitimate, <clears throat> seeing the postmodern condition on the west taking it stall and thinking, okay let's." Let's push it a little bit forward and, and generate a little bit of chaos, which is going to help us geopolitically. And that for me is, is good geopolitics at the very, very least. Innovative geopolitics, innovative fourth generation warfare, at the very minimum. And if we want to be a little bit more bold in our in our speculations, um, beautiful gesture of uh, the art and craft of political angelology, Beautiful in the Machiavellian sense. Mm. But you know, got done.
0: So I want to bring us back to ontological design and the parameters <laughs> of that. What does it mean being a, a human subject in this era of informational overload?
1: And, yeah, very good.
0: And fragmentation.
1: So we know that that what Foucault tells us about being subject. has very much to do with constituting one as a sort of entity within relations of power, within discourse. I am a man, I have a name. Um, And we we know the polemics that Foucault brought about to illustrate this point, such as the invention of homosexuality and its diagnosis as a disease in the 18th century and 19th century by the medical establishment. That's his example of subjectification to make a subject, to create an identity. Hmm. In this day and age, indeed, that process of uh, subjectification has become more intense, more volatile, more fragmented. Let's make a spectrum, right? 10th century, there's three categories of people, nobility, people, and, and clergy, right? Broadly speaking, fast forward to the 19th century, all of a sudden you have the diagnostication of homosexuals, you have people put in prison, you have all of these things that obviously Foucault points at and, and intelligently. So we already see a connection and an, and an increase in the fragmentation of the three previous categories of the medieval time, 10th century, and their fragmentation into other categories of being. To call someone bourgeois, to call someone uh, working class, for those modes of subjectification to emerge, there had to have emerged corollary and accompanying technico- technological shifts. Mm. Fast forward 100 years, and those technological shifts have increased this trend, or, or rather exacerbated it. And if I had to make a guess, it produced two things: one, tremendous fragmentation, de-resignation, de-rooting, uh, virtualization of identity, uh, increasing individualization. So people within themselves become more and more multitudes. Uh, sometimes at war with themselves, sometimes at war, part of me is at war with something and part of me is an ally of something. So really we are all multitudes, each and every one of us, and those multitudes are small kingdoms that eventually make alliances with other kingdoms. And the second thing is it makes the need for ontological design more and more clear, which is um, this trend, this process, is subject imposing itself on people it's subjectifying people and it's i think a tool to be able to get agency and to exert a degree of agency is the necessity of a craft for navigating this fragmented subjectification space hmm. Does this makes sense yeah but i would
0: like to say like what do you envision being possible for one of these
1: contemporary subjects with design. So I imagine curating their informational diets, um, curating and utilizing, for example, behaviorism, uh, the manipulation of attention via digital devices and the design of those interfaces themselves in order to define who they are as a subject um let me bring it more to to the bare bones of the design theory um when a doctor wears a white coat and when they don't wear a white coat they're just a normal person but when they have the white coat they are performing the role of doctor a meme has opposed itself on the commonality of these two people and there's a performance that happens we both believe it and that's a way to cohere i'm a manchester united fan i'm i'm a fan of another team i'm daniel um sometimes i go to festivals and i get pissed and all of these different realities my perception of each of every one of those kind of changes and i'm a different part of myself and in each of these given circumstances um there's a virtual instagram persona there's there's a person who you are when you go into a church. There's a person who you are when you I've had a couple of glasses of wine and, and listening to some good music. So there's all these different ontological groundings, personas that you inhabit, or rather, memeplexes that inhabit you, um, angels that possess you, ideas that take over you, um, and Indeed, the ability to understand them and be creative with them is ontological design. If you want to call it creative esotericism, it also makes sense because it means to be creative with your personal lived experience, with that sort of qualia of the moment, of an experience, of an event, of a process. Um, so in the digital age, this becomes. Uh, like a very big question because I think it's it's the question of the digital age because it helps the human to have directionality and to have agency because the p- previous forms of agency aren't really applying anymore. The education of before doesn't really apply. The division of, uh, you, you know, the way that this, the rational modernist state was set up. It works for some things, but it doesn't really apply for the new challenges of the digital age. And so, again, it, there's a necessity. We're at a threshold.
0: Well, yeah, it sounds like we're taking the... The capacities for limitless enjoyment, as produced by the wealth and informational flux of capitalism, but then actually using them for a purpose that is more than just entertainment or distraction. Someone,
1: I mean, some people say that they are using us. We're not using them. We're not the dominant species on the planet. We are the. the we're just battlefield. These ideas have their own vectors. We know that capitalism doesn't care about the well-being of people, that that connection is tenuous and oftentimes contradictory. We know that religions also make use of people to propagate themselves. We are, you know when you have a petri dish and you put like a bacteria and then you have a culture of bacteria. We are the cultures of these entities. We are cultures, we live in cultures. Yes, we do. Of these microbes. So, if you need a microscope to look at a microbe, you need a macroscope to look at a macrobe. And we don't really have macroscopes. Okay, we there, can There's different sort of inducive ways to look at them. To to do macroscopic visual gestures and ontological design might well be one of those. Insofar as it helps us self-correct path, uh, ascertain positionality uh, with regards to these these microbes, these identities. Designing our environments, also taking into account new technology. It's coming in, it's, it's really, it's getting level two, man. Mm.
0: I'm thinking about this, again, this
1: sense that there is
0: something living through us. And I suppose like, a way of making sense of it is to personify it and to give it a yeah. and a a kind of human agency. I mean it's interesting to think is if we are leaving one era, what is the demon or the spirit that has ruled us during that time? I mean I alluded it to earlier, thinking limitless enjoyment and freedom of of the capitalist era. You've called it. I mean, you've said to me before quite convincingly that it is, it is Satan, literally. In that, it's blackjack and hookers all the way down, baby.
1: hmm We don't need you, God. We have reason. Yeah, Dugin said that. Dug- Dugin has this argument, and I'm like, wow, what a what a fascinating gesture of political angelology, because him and and just like what Astani does with his theory fiction, when he's talking about these gods that that are made of oil and all of these 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 Dramas happening in the Olympus. Um, you know, if the story is updated and we're, if we're looking at the latest episode of what's happening in the Olympus, then it makes sense. Case in point, when Dugan says that modernity, with its impulse towards reason above everything, logic above everything, uh, and then the corollary postmodernism, which is the, the belief of no belief, if you're going to quote Osho, um, modernity has this anti-christian luciferian tendency because just like the story of lucifer if we want to bring up another very well-known archetype both modernity and lucifer have the same attitude which is uh, i do not need to be subjected to a god or to a structure that lies above me what i need is my own reason and better to rule in earth and to serve in heaven something like that but we've quickly come to realize you know today in 2020 that you know that's it's not quite what it seems after a lot of people dying and after a lot of suffering but also after a lot of technical improvements episode swap season finale of
0: Second millennium. Mm, I just lost you there for a moment. Um, Where did you lose me? It cut back in as you were talking about the season finale.
1: Yeah, so Nietzsche is the, the pivot point in this drama, you know, season finale of, of Millennium 2 of Earth. Uh, if we're looking at Earth as, you know, war in Olympus, drama, mm. and all these characters such as Lucifer and modernity coming into the scene. And, and while it might seem, might seem a little bit simplistic and off the cuff to just, you know, these, this is just a drama, it's just a theater and just like the type, of, the type of unsubstantiated reasonings that you may have, but don't mean anything. I think this one does, because of everything that I've said before of the macrobes and of their impact on people, the fact that ideas and bodies of ideas mean plexus today so apparent and so uh, exacerbated. They have people, people don't have ideas. Mm. So yeah, can what is playing you make it to level two? Hmm. And by the way, what's playing us is is. I mean, we're a lens. We're not a thing. We're a lens on the memescape. And the memescape is like, it's like a multicolored, fractal, beautiful fabric. And sometimes we're looking at a thing. Sometimes we're looking at another thing. Sometimes we're looking at another thing. That's why we're vessels, right? It's the magician who does this gesture. So. I think that's a better way to frame it rather than who's, who's possessed of us, rather, who are we transmitting? Mm. So that's, that's what we are at most.
0: And this feels like a place to bring in Alexander Bard's ideas of Cynthia. Uh, mm radically flipping the idea of God as not that which created us in the beginning, but that point towards which we are moving, we are creating God and it, whatever it is exerts its pull on us, not from the past as a push, but from the future as a pull.
1: And so if Cynthia's, if Cynthia's is this God that we are creating ourselves, through the remains of the previous eras energized with the body of the internet with this massive memeplex made of data and creativity and human libido and all that then in order to create that god we first need to create man ontological design in a way or rather you're doing both at the same time they are being done through each other whether we like it or not it's really just a lens to look at it and be able to extract uh, the action from there because this ball is rolling um mm. this ball is larger than us so it has been
0: rolling for a long time but i think when you say create man you mean something quite different from the the modernist humanist conception of man
1: mm, yeah create the post-human yeah exactly so ontological design another angle to look at it and that's why you know it's not a ready-made body of knowledge. It's something that you look at from different angles with every new sentence that you have. It's like looking through a window. It's never the same thing that you see through the window. So another way to look at ontological design is the post-human angle. The post-human angle postulates that the human body has no limits, that my ideas, my languages, all these things that are invisible but nonetheless are a part of me of my lived experience, my name, my story, uh, they are an organic part of my body in the same way that... A cat has some whiskers or there's a tail to the cat, you know what I mean? Or, or the fur. It's an organic growth of, of, of the body, of the human body, but it's made of ideas. It's like wearing clothes. This is a prosthetics to my skin because it makes me warmer and it's nicer. Um, so the same thing happens with this, which is an extension of, of my, my writing ability, my notepad, which is an extension of my memory. <sighs> This camera, which is an extension, extension of my eyes that allows me to see to you. And by the same mental gesture and exercise, so are ideas. So are stories that we inhabit. So are reality tunnels. They are also extensions of ourselves. There are our mind tents, Temples for the mind. Mm. That's perhaps the symbology of, of the temple of God. Within which humans live, and we are also masons of, uh, it is it is this invisible body for Adam Kadmon and and doing the work of Yahweh. but well, that's a whole nother ball game, but yeah, leaving it at that. Mm. so
0: now we've touched on narrative and story, and as as I understand it, part of the discipline of ontological design is is learning from and a deeply understanding and embodying the stories and the myths of the past. The sense being, I think, that that was always already ontological design, although perhaps yes. not consciously. Or maybe it Absolutely. wasn't. I mean, you've got to wonder Sometimes. what the priests and the shamans were doing out in the woods or in the tents when they were smoking the hash or taking the mushrooms.
1: Exactly. So not only those cases, which would be typical classical examples, not only those mythologies, the mythologies of the shaman and, and the mystical person and the lover, but also perhaps uh, Napoleon's bureaucratic revolution, the invisible system that would feed information to the emperor's brain and make him a warm, uh, the best general of history by a you know, by, by tremendous margin in terms of the ratio of victories he essentially extended his, his brain and, and made the whole empire kind of feed into it and, and applied it. So I think that's also an example, in part with a shaman who's telling a story for the tribe to move in the morning that tells that if they don't perform these rituals, there will be no rain and everyone will die. These are both ways to engage with chaos and to create ourselves through chaos. Um, Manuel de Landa. Mm. has this idea of the machinic phylum. And it's this idea that certain technologies have a, a genealogy, they have a lineage that they descend from, from one another. So for example, you have the handgun that, as it was invented in like the 15th century or something as this crude tube with gunpowder and like a bullet and then you shoot it and then whatever. At a certain point, they discovered how to create and design a barrel of a gun and the format of a bullet and the way to fucking deploy gunpowder. Oh, Daniel, I've lost you again. So all of a sudden, they could aim. This changed war forever. Mm. Okay, so you want me to... I've got you back. I've got you back. So machinic phylum. Machinic phylum, so machines descend from each other. So, you know, look at the lineage of the hand cannon on the of the rifle. They went from being these, these machines that were very crude. You put some gunpowder and some bullets and all of a sudden you shoot, uh, but they, you couldn't aim. You couldn't really do to that much damage. It was Sometimes it exploded in someone's hands. And then at certain key moments, certain innovations happened that would transform everything else forever. So, for example, there was a moment in the history of of ballistics where they learned how to design the barrel of a gun so that you could aim. The bullet would go in a specific predictable trajectory and therefore inaugurating ballistics. And that, you know, fed into cannons and artillery and that started to change the design of fortresses and of castles to defend from said artillery. So the whole face of war changed. The competitive machinery of defense and attack, offense and defense, started to run faster and faster, started to get industrialized. And so all of this to say that the same process of descendants of lineage happens on one hand, as an example, with with gunpowder and artillery and ballistics. But it also happens having as one end of the spectrum Moses and as the other end of the spectrum Instagram. Why? Because if you solve the equation for the machinic phylum of attention, procurement, and transformation, they're doing similar things. And was, when I say Moses, I could say something to someone else. I could say the, the berserkers cults in Scandinavia taking drugs to go fight or the Hashashans or Britney Spears in Hollywood. What all of these people have in common is that they have interfered and played and, and worked on the craft of, no, sorry, the procurement and transformation of attention through a craft for a purpose. That's mm. what they all did. Magic. Is another name for it and so that's the state of the art the state of the game when it comes to the games that shamans used to play but also Moses used to play and also the inventors of gunpowder perhaps had an impact on and this to say that sometimes it's an individual Moses a shaman sometimes it's a system of knowledge producing the innovation of analytics. Sometimes it's a industrial virtual system, the internet and Instagram. So all of these vectors, people, whatever, they perform the task. Um, look at Instagram. It, it furthered the spectacle so much so that so much of our lives and the way that we relate to each other in digital landscapes has become virtualized for 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 good things and for bad things. Whatever. Uh, that's not the point. That's what it achieves. That's what it does performs that task and as such there's uh there's one of the tasks the key task of ontological design which is to curate informational diets to put people in states where you can different memes can populate them at different times for different purposes where they can change the lens a little bit i'm a little bit all over the place i have to say but but i don't know let me know if this is clear enough i'm loving it it's late right. and
0: I'm tired, but I'm loving it. <laughs> All right. You know, I, I, there was something you said a few minutes back and my brain started spinning around on the idea of it, which was talking about Napoleon mm. and the reality that he was able to create through his army. And,
1: and the also incentive. the ancillary structure.
0: Yes, exactly. Oh, that structure, which was well, in large part enabled by giving that literacy, but not just the literacy, but the whole mindset that goes with literacy to, yeah, to those soldiers, and exactly, so exactly,
1: man, informational flow. Because you know yeah. what, that was one of the sorry to you, that was one of the first armies to be like fully alphabetized, mm. literate. So there you go yes and
0: i'm thinking the intersection of these these technologies and power can we begin to speculate what ontological design looks like within communities individuals or rather we've we're doing away with individual right but communities and people who seek power today what is possible with ontological yeah. design? and i don't just mean that at a Nefarious sense, so that we can explore it in a nefarious sense, but we can always also explore it in a trimal tribal sense.
1: I'd say few- that nefarious and benign are on the same spectrum, and we're just looking at the spectrum amorally. We're just trying to figure out how the pen writes or how the hammer works. It's more of an analysis of techné, even though obviously we're not impartial. But it's really a we're more of we're more we're closer to engineers. Or I, I like to think myself as closer to an engineer than to a philosopher. Or to an architect, which I am. So cults have for a long time done that same task. So many cults, like you know, from, from Osho to Scientology to even ancient cults around the year zero popping up everywhere in the Roman Empire, or all sorts of cults that have existed and persisted throughout history. They have, better or worse, done ontological design on themselves and their people. We are ourselves within cultures. And the way that they operate are similar, and I guess that if we look at a small use case, it's gonna help sort of elucidate some rules of thumb of how it works, namely, you know, they have norms and discourses around how they're allowed to operate, what is something that you can't say, what is something that you can't say. They regulate time. They have a system and a code for language, um, some words don't exist some are very part of their vocabulary therefore limiting the ontological expressiveness of the individuals uh they regulate sexual behavior heavily they tend to have rules about who you can and cannot fuck they tend to have tremendous tremendously well defined regimes of truth it's never unclear what is true and what is not true and there's always very much clarity around what can and cannot be said even on the cults which are not cults, or on the cults that have teachings that are the no teaching, the postmodern variant is still the same variant. It's just a, you know, it's a, it's a cheeky movie that was cool once in 2001, but it's, it, it, novelty is over, and as such, it's the same momentum happening once and again. When they're good, they tend to have a very interesting relationship with death. That's a hard one to achieve, but like when you when you mail that, then then you have like. Say the angular stone to hold the building of your cult for a long time. And I guess what followed from here, after, after you know, I didn't do an extensive archaeology of the mechanisms by which cults exist and operate. But the next step would be to, to ask, how can we use the current innovations in technology to operationalize these vectors through which a culture, a cult and a culture operate and then put them into effect. You know, today I saw something really weird. Jared Letter from 30 Seconds to Mars. He took a bunch of his fans to an island and he posted a picture on Instagram and everyone is dressed in white. And he says, this is a cult. Cause it's a postmodern parody of a cult that wants to be, it's, it's so remarkable that these things people do the same things in such different contexts and and the lens remains but the fabric that, that is being looked at from behind moves and it's just so funny it's always the same thing it does the same tricks there's codes of how you should dress there's obviously central characters in any given moment so yeah
0: now something i wonder is is the word cult itself a pejorative used by the hegemonic culture to demonize anything that stands outside of it and thus threatens it. And it tends to pick on examples of cults that are particularly either aggressive or repressive or perverse in the way that they relate their members to one another.
1: In order to suffer, all of these groups that exist in the outside. But that's because there are big cults and small cults.
0: Mm.
1: The big cults tell the others you can't exist. so I'm going to smear you. But the big cult does that, or the wider cult, or the more diffuse cult does that. But all one does is to cult. Power is a is is a human universal. To cult as a verb, culting. Mm. It's kind of what we're doing, really.
0: Yeah, that's everything humans do. This is what I'm driving at is that a cult, a group of people with enough of a sense of story, practice and belief to unite them together is cult. Another word for it, religion. There is a sense in which it's a very humanist, modern rationalist thing to go. We are no longer religious.
1: We are no longer a cult. And you are all others' cults. Oh, but it is a cult, and that's kind of what you were getting at, right? That even this universalist, uh, rational, modernist, scientistic, material, reductionist paradigm is a cult. Here's how they have, they have, we have, it has, whatever. I'm no, we're not, we're not exclusive. Everyone has multitudes, and multitudes are gestalt rather than discrete. But you know, the, let's call it modernism for lack for as this placeholder fucking word. Um, it's science based. Science is a method to interact with reality. Other methods to interact with reality are speculative animism, or dream reading, or superstition. Modernism says no. Here we do science. It says there's the state that there is police, that there is democracy, that there is the medical institutions, that there is industry. It says a lot of things, and it postulates a series of things that um, serve to model and, and constrain how people exist in reality. But we need to understand also that modernity is kind of this temporary, temporary offshoot or descendant that comes around the time of the death of God. It actually came after it in the West. If we like again go back to Nietzsche, I think he he nailed it on the head there. And we've heard time and again that indeed, because of modernism's uh you know, broadly understood lack of God, it has a lot of interesting peculiarities. Rather the lack of the previous God, but the emergence of something else in its stead namely science and technocracy and so on. And yeah, man, that, that, that breeds the postmodern nihilism, late capitalistic, uh, hedonism. It, it, it breeds a lot of interesting developments, no doubt about that. It breeds the development that, are, that we are, looking at syntheos, looking at navigating our way towards something. We are modern in a way. The Loes was modern. Everyone is, is modern in that way um even this will democratize right i'm not a noble person um but democracy has allowed me access to information and education so that me and you can speculate about these things and and procure agency through them maybe we'll fail maybe we won't Uh, but we're looking at agency that is not necessarily blocked by capital why because we're in an era of chaos and chaos is a ladder and uh, no matter how much money you might throw for example at the psychosphere not always that sometimes backfires why because its rules are not modernist they're not linear they're synthetic metamodern they are distal. they are they break down the rules of coherence a thing and another thing can be the same thing and in five seconds they might be only overlapping so all these rules of coherence of symbology they go out the window. That's why Trump can say one thing and the next day say another, and it's fine, because that's just a symptom of the breakdown of these traditional forms of meaning-making, and that's kind of uh, the wind that we're trying to sail somehow. Yeah.
0: Hello, people, once again. And if you made it this far, well done. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you like what we're doing, then please consider supporting us on YouTube and on your podcast app, sharing the content round and talking to people about it. And also consider giving us a donation on patreon.com forward slash technosocial so we can keep growing the show. Ciao.